Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 is uh, where we are at this morning. I remember uh, growing up in Seattle, uh, hearing about this story over a decade ago, right after Thanksgiving. And uh, I, uh, I studied engineering, so I was kind of into the tech world and things like that. And there's uh, different websites that are for technology and, and this and that. And you would see some people, uh, they would write some posts, or they would have these little video clips or whatever, things like that. I remember there were different people that I would, I would see. And then I remember watching on the news that one of these guys, his name was James, appeared on the screen and said that some of you may know who this individual is. He grew up in this area, I guess, or had family living in the area, and uh, he was missing. He and his family, they, had, uh, they lived in the San Francisco area and had gone up to Seattle during the Thanksgiving uh, holiday season and gone there probably to spend time with family, and then they were driving back down uh, through Oregon and uh, eventually back down to San Francisco, but somewhere along the way, uh, they didn't appear at where they were supposed to be. And uh, so the call went out, and they went searching. It was uh, in, the, in the mountain areas, I guess, in Oregon. There was a lot of snow. Uh, it was really coming down. And so uh, it, it was a little bit difficult for them to, you know, send out search parties and try to find them. Eventually, they found the car. And they found his wife, and they found their two children, but they didn't find James. They rescued the family, and it wasn't soon after that they found James. He had left looking for some help. He had looked at a map and went out looking for some help, but unfortunately, he never made it back. Afterwards, they talked about, you know, what had happened was that they were driving down the highway and eventually going to go to, I guess, some hotel maybe by the coast. So they were going down that way, and they missed an exit on the highway. So instead of turning back, though, what they did was they got off at the next stop and tried to figure out their way there. They went down, and they started driving, and uh, there was just so much snow that they just couldn't keep going down the road that they had chosen. So they turned around, found another road, and started driving down that street. The problem with that street, though, was that it wasn't a normal road. They're in the mountain areas. It wasn't a normal road. It was supposed to have been blocked off to prevent normal citizens, normal individuals to go that way. But for whatever reason, it was open. And, of course, they didn't know that. They didn't notice it. They went down that road, got stuck, got lost, and it ended with James's life in a terrible tragedy. But one of the reasons why it happened was because they were in unfamiliar territory, right? It's easy to get lost in unfamiliar territory when you're, you're in a new place, right? Some place that you've never been before. If you've ever traveled to another city, another state, another country, you understand that feeling, I think, of being in an unfamiliar place it's fairly easy to get lost. It's fairly easy to get turned around. It's fairly easy to be going down in the wrong direction. It's pretty easy to get lost in unfamiliar territory. And as much as our daily lives, you know, each day to day and week to week, month to month and year to year, sometimes feels the same, each day is unfamiliar territory. 
Each day is a day you've never lived before. Every week is a week you've never lived before. Every year is a new year that, ha that has been unexplored, full of uncertainty, and certainly can be quite unpredictable. The Bible says, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, life a lot of times is not much like L.A. One of the things I realized about L.A. is that it's, pretty, it's fairly easy to navigate yourself around through a lot of different areas because you get on a street and you can just keep driving down that street. And it's just a straight shot for miles and miles and miles. Our church is on Normandy. And it's just straight all the way up for about 20 miles. You could go north and south. It's a straight, you know, Manhattan's kind of like that too. If you've ever been to Manhattan, you know, you just give the two intersections and you know exactly where you are. But life, unfortunately, is not organized like the streets of L.A. or the streets of Manhattan. It's a little more like the old streets of Europe. If you've ever been to some of those old cities, none of them are built like Manhattan. None of them are built like L.A. There's streets that curve around and little streets that turn into big streets and strange intersections all over the place. And, and it's because of the way that the city was built. It was a little town and then added on and, and got bigger and bigger over the years and centuries. There's a lot of bends in the road, a lot of unexpected turns, a lot of things that you might not expect because it's so unpredictable. You know, for us today, we use, you know, things like Google Maps, right? You know, we use technology and we have satellites and we can see the entire terrain. And so that's how we know where we're going. But, you know, God doesn't just have a satellite view of the earth. He has a satellite view of your life. You know, God knows exactly what's coming down the road, even when you do not. He knows exactly where something might be blocked off when you're not expecting it to be blocked off. You know, God knows exactly when you are thinking the road's going to keep going and then it turns off in an unexpected direction. God knows everything about the path that you will take. He knows about the mountains. He knows about the valleys. He knows about the pitfalls. He knows about all of the problems. He knows about the incoming storms. He knows everything. He knows the landscape of your life perfectly. And that's why God in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, encourage us to go to God for direction. Because I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen this week or this year or this decade. And neither do you. But we know somebody who does. You know, we know somebody who knows exactly what is going to happen. And that's why we can go to him for direction. That's what it says there at the end of verse number six. And he shall direct our, our paths. If there's anybody we want to get direction from, it's from the Lord. Amen. If there's anybody we want to get direction from, it's the Lord God who knows everything. And so here in the book of Proverbs, we see an encouragement for us to get direction from God. But if we're going to get direction from God, we need to trust him. We need to put our faith and trust in the Lord. That's what this entire uh, two verses is about. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. You see it reiterated. Put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in him and 
and he shall direct thy paths. So the question that we need to ask this morning is, do you trust the Lord? Do you trust God this morning? Do you trust God with today? Do you trust God with this month, this year? Do you trust God with your life? Because if we put our trust in him, then we can get our direction from the Lord. And in this passage, I see three ways in which we need to trust God if we are going to get direction from him. Number one, I see that we need to trust God entirely. We need to trust him entirely with all of our hearts, with everything, with every thought, with every moment, with every decision. We need to trust the Lord with everything that we have. We need to trust the Lord with all of our hearts if we're going to get direction from the Lord. How many of you have ever done a trust fall before? All right, I did a trust fall. I remember the first time I did it, I was at a teen camp. And uh, so we, we did this trust fall, and uh, you get up on this platform. It's about six feet off the ground, and you're supposed to stand at the edge of it, turn around, and then fall backwards into the arms of your friends. And uh, depending on what kind of friends you have, uh, you either trust them or don't trust them. But there we are. We're standing there, and we're supposed, to all, we're supposed to all get up there and fall into the arms of our friends. So our friends are standing there at the bottom. They, they lock arms. And to be honest, uh, none of us wanted to go first. Everybody's like, you go first. You go first. You go first. Everybody's doing that. Finally says, all right, so I'll go first. And they go up there, and we lock arms. And to be honest, I wasn't sure that we'd be able to catch this guy coming down, but we caught him. And we did it again. Every single one of us, I think there was uh, eight or ten of us that were there. Every single one of us, we fell. We all got caught. We were all good. We all landed safely. We were all fine. And that is the thing about faith as well, right? The first time you trust in the Lord could be a little, oh, I don't know if God's going to catch me. But the more you jump out in faith, the more you realize God will catch you every time. And the more you jump out and you fall into the arms of the Lord, and he catches you every time, it develops your faith, doesn't it? You know, we need to have that first moment of faith. Of course, in salvation, that's our very first moment in faith. You need to be saved. If you're not saved today, you need to be saved. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You need to trust him for salvation. But in the Christian life as well, we need to trust him continually. And we need to trust the Lord. And uh, there's a, a, a lot of different reasons that we might give. I just want to point out a few of them. We can trust the Lord entirely because of his comprehension, because of his knowledge, because he knows it all. God knows more than you do. I know that we all know that, but sometimes we just need to say it. God knows more than I do, and God knows more than you do, and God knows more than all of us collectively do. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 20 says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. The Lord, he knows it all. He knows everything. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows that. He knows the stars in the sky, and he knows them by name. You ever seen a picture of the sky and seen a picture, and you're like, wow, look at those galaxies. And then you ever seen those pictures where it zooms in closer and closer and closer, and you see that empty spot that you thought was just, you know, maybe a few scattered stars is really billions or trillions of stars. The Bible says that God knows them by name. He knows every single one. God knows it all. Psalm chapter 147, verse number 5 says, Great is our Lord and of great power. 
His understanding is infinite. He knows it all. Not only does he know everything in, in this universe, he knows, every, he knows the hypothetical situations. This is, this is an amazing verse in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 21. It says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. You know, God doesn't just know what happened. God knows what would have happened if it were different. God knows what would have happened if some different situation had been there. Do you ever have a moment where you wish that you could go back and do it over again? You ever have those moments? You ever have those moments where you think back and, oh, why did I choose that? I should have chosen this. You know, if you think about the stock market, oh, I wish I would have chosen this instead of that, or invested at this time instead of that time, or maybe a decision to uh, get a job or move or whatever the case might be. I'm sure every single one of us has some regrets, some things that we said that we regret saying. Every, every one of us, we know about Napoleon Bonaparte. We know about him as the emperor of all of Europe or almost all of Europe. And I'm sure many of you know about how he tried to invade Russia. Tried to invade Russia in, uh, I think it was 1812. And his plan was, I'm going to take over Russia. I'm going to conquer it all. And he took an army of 680,000 soldiers and in the month of June, crossed the river in, in the Lithuania, Belarus area and started invading Russia. Started going there, got closer and closer and closer, eventually got to Moscow in September. So he thinks victory. But the Russian army wasn't in Moscow, they were outside Moscow. And so he knew that victory isn't complete until he destroys the army, until he conquers them. So he went out after the army, and then he realized that he had made a big mistake, which is Russia has terrible winters that he and his army were not prepared for. And soon his armies started getting in more and more trouble. Of course, there were already some big battles where he had lost many soldiers and many lives had fallen all, all along the way. He realized he was in trouble, so he started pulling back and pulling back and pulling back. By late November, his army was 27,000, from 680,000 down to 27,000. I'm sure if you were to ask Napoleon, and he were to be honest, he said, do you regret going there? Do you regret invading Russia? He would probably say, yes. That was the beginning of the end. But in life, there's no do-overs. In life, there's no reset button. In life, there's no going back. And that's why you want a God who knows the outcome of every situation. You want a God who knows everything. You want a God who even knows the hypotheticals. If you did it this way, this is the end result. If you chose this way, this is the end result. Hey, let me tell you which way that you should go. You should go this way. We need to put our trust in the Lord, and we can because of his comprehension, also because of his consistency. We can trust the Lord because of his consistency. There is no one as faithful as our God. No one. No one is as faithful as our God. Because he never forgets. And he never abandons his promises. He keeps them every single one. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness 
and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never not be your side. How many of us have forgotten our phones at home or lost our keys, lost a wallet somewhere? I remember the, the time that I uh, lost my phone. I was on my honeymoon, and uh, we, were, we were in Italy, and we were in a shop buying something, and for whatever reason, I put my phone down, I think, to pick up something, and I left my phone in the shop. And we had walked down you know, the street, you know, and we were going, and, and uh, you know, I think I wanted to take a picture of something. I was looking for my phone, and I couldn't find my phone. I looked at Esther, and she's like, what? I was like, I lost my phone. I don't know where my phone is. I got to go find my phone, and I'm trying to retrace the steps. I did find my phone, but how many of us have forgotten something, left something behind, forgotten to do something? We've all had those kinds of moments, as careful as we might try to be, but you know our God, he never forgets. How many days has God forgotten to bring up the sun? There's never a day where he's like, oh yeah, I forgot, I'm sorry, here, let me bring up the sun. He's never done that. There's never been a moment where he's like, oh yeah, I forgot, I need to put the sun down today. I forgot to do that. Everybody's like, why is the sun still up there? I'm so tired. You know, God, he never forgets to do that. He never forgets to spin the, the moon around the earth, the earth around the sun. He never forgets to put the stars in the sky at night. He never forgets about, you know, gravity. It's not like he, he ever forgets, oh yeah, I forgot to turn on gravity today. I forgot about all of these things. We, we get so used to the fact that the sun will rise every morning and set every single night. That the tide will rise and fall twice a day, every single day. We get used to the fact that, that God is so consistent and faithful. Sometimes we forget that God never forgets. But our God never forgets. He's so faithful and consistent. And he also, he never gets tired. And we get tired sometimes. As much as we might have the desire to want to do the right thing or be in the right place or, you know, not forget, we get tired. You know, you're at, a, at the end of a long day, you're working or you're exercising or you're just, you know, out and about. You get tired. But God, he never gets tired. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is weary. God never gets tired. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall be faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. You ever see these little kids that are running around, and they're running around, and they're running around, and they're still running around? And you're like, wow, how do they have so much energy? Or you ever go to the park with some of these, you know, high school students and try to play basketball? They just keep going hour after hour after hour. And for me, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I feel that I'm, I'm, I'm no longer in my youth. I'm, I'm, I'm at the edge of that. I know some of you are like, you're still so young, Brother Richard. Don't even talk about that. But I look at these high school students, and I think, I remember when I could do that. And I can't do some of those things anymore. And you look at some of the youths and you think, wow, they never get tired. But even they get tired, don't they? But verse 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know why? If you put your trust in the Lord, you can be confident because God, he never gets tired. And he never forgets. That's why he's so consistent and so faithful. Or that's part of his consistency. Also, we see that we can trust in him because of his capability. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 19. It says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth, understand, uh, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God has unlimited power. He is the Almighty. Let me ask you this morning to think about what is your best case scenario for your life? If you could dream out and plan out your life, what is your best case scenario? Just think about it for a moment. If I could come up with the best case scenario for this next year, for the next couple of years, for the next decade, for the rest of my life, this is my best case scenario. You know God can do better than that. You know, when you look at people in the Bible, God did things for them that they never would have thought because they thought that's not possible. Think about David. David was just a shepherd boy, just out in the fields, the youngest of his brothers. He has no status, no position, nothing. He's not thinking about being king. But you know, God looked down and he saw somebody who was after his own heart. And he says, I'm going to do something for you that you would never even consider a possibility for yourself. You know, God did so much better for David. Think about the life of maybe somebody like Moses. Moses was born into a family who were slaves. But you know, God did something amazing for the life of Moses. You know where Moses grew up? He grew up in the house of the king, of Pharaoh. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. And then he led his people out of Egypt 80 years later. Think about Peter. What was Peter doing before he met the Lord? He was a fisherman. He's just fishing. What is his best case scenario? He's probably thinking about, oh, you know, if I'm pretty successful, me and my brother and our partners, James and John, maybe we'll build up and we'll do all right and we'll be fine. And, and uh, maybe I can expand my business a little bit and, and I'll be able to maybe retire a little early or be comfortable or, you know, maybe that's his best case scenario. He never would have imagined that he would stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach that 3,000 people would get saved and later 4,000 and disciples added and multiplied. He never would have thought about any of those things. Think about Joseph. He's living in the promised land, but it's, you know, it's kind of part of a, there's nothing there really. They're not living in a city. They're just, you know, they're just living independently. And God brought him into Egypt to be the second in the land. Our God is an amazing God. He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And that's why we can trust in him. Fourthly, though, I see that we could trust in God entirely because of his charity because of his love. Because none of God's knowledge or power or faithfulness would matter if God didn't care. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 2 is, is talking about, this idea of love. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity and have not love, I am nothing. It doesn't matter if you have all the knowledge and all the ability and all the faithfulness if you don't care. That's, that's kind of what the Apostle Paul is writing about. John chapter 3, verse number 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But not only did God give his only begotten son, he gave us Romans chapter 8, verse 32. This is one of my favorite verses. He that spared not his own son. Who is that? 
It's Jesus, Jesus Christ. He didn't spare his own son, Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God says, if I would give you my only begotten son, what would I not give you? The answer is nothing. There's nothing that God wouldn't give for you that, of course, would be good for you. And just to be honest, if we inspected our lives, I think we would all come to the conclusion that God loves us even more than we love ourselves. And we love ourselves a lot, don't we? How many of us know that there are certain things that we should do, that it's the best thing for us, but we struggle to do it. How many of us know that we should eat healthier and exercise? We know it, right? Wouldn't that be the good thing for us? It's a good thing for us. That's what we should do. That's how we should live. That's how we should, you know, conduct our lives. And yet, how many times when confronted with an In-N-Out cheeseburger, we say, I'm going for that In-N-Out cheeseburger every time. And we know that we need to wake up early and we need to exercise and the snooze alarm goes off and we say, oh, but it just feels so good to stay in bed just a little longer and a little longer. Nine more minutes will be enough. And then nine more minutes will be enough. And then nine more minutes, that will be enough. You know, God, not only, not only could he do it, not only is he consistent, but God cares for us. God wants the best for you. And God wants the best for me. And that's why we can put our trust in him. You know, wisdom and direction on our paths comes when we tell God, God, I trust you even more than I trust myself. God, I trust you even more than I trust me. You know, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts as the heavens are higher than the earth, so we can't understand the ways of the Lord, or, and also so much better are the ways of the Lord. If we want to get our direction from this God, we need to put our trust in him, trusting him entirely, also trusting him exclusively. We need to trust the Lord exclusively, trusting him and him alone. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't even lean a little bit in the direction of your own understanding. The Bible, God warns us against trusting in ourselves, against trusting in our abilities, against trusting in our understanding. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. There is a way, a, a path, a thought, an idea that looks right, seems right, is logical, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way which looks good to me and may look good to you, but the end is the way of death. God is warning us against putting our trust in ourselves, in our abilities, in our understanding. We need to trust the Lord exclusively and not put our trust in ourselves. This verse is so important that God repeats the verse again in Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's the exact same verse. We need to put our trust exclusively in the Lord. You know, if you've ever uh, had to go through a, a fairly serious 
a medical procedure, maybe a surgery or something like that, or some sort of treatment. Sometimes you go to a doctor and you get their, uh, their advice and, and recommendations and things like that. But sometimes you hear about this thing called a second opinion, right? Sometimes people want a second opinion. They, they want to hear what the doctor says and then they say, okay, well, let me hear what somebody else has to say. Maybe they have a different way that they like to do it. Maybe they have a different preference. Maybe they uh, see something different that the first doctor maybe didn't see or overlooked or doesn't consider to be as important or, or whatever the case might be. Sometimes you see some people, when they go to the doctor, they get their advice and the recommendation, but then they want a second opinion. But when we go to God, we don't need a second opinion. We shouldn't look for a second opinion. We don't need that second opinion because, again, God knows it all. He is the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God. We don't need any second opinions. And sometimes we think, well, God, I know that you said that, but this makes more sense to me. And this is the way that I think I should go. And this is the way that I think that I should do it. You know, there's been a lot of brilliant people in history who thought that they had it figured out, they thought that they knew, and they made some statements and ended up making themselves look a little foolish. I'm going to give you some examples. Simon Newcomb, who's a leading astronomer, was born in 1835, and he said, he declared that flight by heavier-than-air objects was completely impossible until the Wright brothers flew at Kitty Hawk. Then he said, after the Wright brothers made their first flight, he claimed that airplanes were impractical and worthless. And yet, how many of us fly all the time? Every year, maybe we fly out, some of us. Charles Duell was commissioner at the U.S. Patents Office, who in 1899 is quoted as saying this, everything in 1899 that can be invented has been invented. How many inventions since 1899 have happened that we use and need? Lord Kelvin, he said this about the radio. He said, the radio has no future. And he also said, x-rays will be proven to be a hoax. That's what he said. We go to the doctor, what's, you know, if something serious happens, what do they often say? Hey, let's get an x-ray. You go to the dentist. You get an x-ray. H.G. Wells, he said this, I refuse to see any sort of submarine doing anything except suffocating its crew and floundering at sea. That's what they said about submarines. H.M. Warner of Warner Brothers asked, he's quoted as saying this in 1927. You all remember the silent movies, right? You've seen some silent movies, all right? At least a clip or two here or there, all right? Charlie Chaplin, all right, anybody? <laughs> all right? This is what he said. He said, who wants to hear actors talk? That's what he said. That's what he asked. Who wants to hear actors talk? Now we all hear them talk. Irving Fisher was professor of economics at Yale University in 1929. He said, stocks have reached what looks like a permanently high plateau. You know what also happened in 1929? Stock market crashed. The Great Depression started. He said that in 1929. Rex Lambert wrote, television won't matter in your lifetime or mine. John Langdon Davies, fellow of the Royal Anthropological Institute, said in 1936, by 1960, work will be limited 
each day to three hours. Wouldn't that be nice? Three hours a day, limited, right? You see a couple other things. Ken Olson, in 1977, CEO of a company, DEC, said there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. Thomas Watson, the founder of IBM, said, I think there is a world market for about five computers. These are experts in their field, in economics, in physics, in science, in computers, technology, math. They were experts in their field, and they got it wrong. Even experts get it wrong sometimes. Even experts make the wrong decision. Even experts choose the wrong path. And how many of us would even claim to be an expert at life? Claim to be an expert at our life, at my life. How many of us would be experts in this, this thing that we're doing each and every day, year after year after year? We're certainly not experts, are we? And that's why we should trust in the Lord exclusively. Because God never gets it wrong. God never gets it wrong. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. You know, to be honest, sometimes it looks so right. And sometimes it can still be so very wrong. That's why we need to trust exclusively in the Lord. We need to trust exclusively in God. Thirdly, I see that we need to trust evenly. We need to trust evenly. Verse number six says, In all thy ways acknowledge him. In every road, every path, every day, every decision, go to him, ask him, acknowledge him, consider him in every single thing that we do. Not just on occasion, but consistently every day, all the time, going to God and asking him, what should I do? How should I do it? God, when do you want me to do it? Is there something you want me to do? If we want God to direct our paths, we need to trust him evenly or consistently or all the time. Philippians chapter four, verse number six says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Because every small step can make a big difference. Every single small step can make a big difference. Anybody who sprained an ankle can tell you that a single misstep can make a big difference. You make one misstep, you catch yourself on the corner of a sidewalk, a crack that comes up, on a step, on some stairs. Maybe you slip on, on the floor or something like that. You sprain an ankle. One, one misstep can make a big difference. That's why we need to trust in the Lord consistently all the time. That's why we shouldn't take things for granted. Don't take the day for granted. Don't take your opportunities for granted. Don't take your life for granted. Don't take the blessings of God 
for granted because one small misstep can make a big difference. And we might think that we might know all of the next steps. It's not a big deal. When I come to a big intersection, then I'll ask God, and I'll consult God, and I'll pray to God. But we need to ask God every single step of the way because small things can make a big difference. Ask Goliath if a small stone can make a big difference. Ask him that. And he'll say a little stone can make a big difference. You don't need a big sword or a spear or a shield. Sometimes you just need a little rock slung by a little shepherd boy to make a big difference. Ask anybody who's driven on the 405 or any highway here in L.A. and you're stuck in traffic. And you realize the reason why there was a traffic jam was because somebody got in an accident because just for a split moment, a text message came in. Somebody looked at their phone, looked up, didn't break in time. Bam, accident. Now traffic for the next 50 hours or whatever, you know. Right? Small things can make a big difference. Somebody once put it this way. If you think small things don't matter, think of the last game you lost by one point. Small things, they can matter. That's why we need to go to God consistently every single day. Going to him, not taking things for granted. Not taking our health for granted. Not taking our our, uh, opportunities for granted. Not taking the people and relationships in our lives that we have for granted. Not taking each day for granted. James chapter 4 verse 13 says... Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. He says, those of you that are making some big plans about what you're going to do next year and the business plans and what you're going to buy and what you're going to sell and how you're going to build your business and how you're going to advance financially, those of you that are thinking about all of these big grand plans that you got for your life, be careful. Verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. You don't know what's happening tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, this is what we should be saying as believers. If the Lord will, we shall live. If the Lord will, then I get to be alive. I even have another day. If God desires for me to have that, Then I will have another day. We shall live, and if we live, then we will do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Each of us, I'm sure, has plans for a life in terms of where do I want to be next year? Where do I want to be in a couple of years? Where do I want to be next month? We have these plans, and God is saying, those of you that have the plans, just stop and remember, your life is still in the hands of God. And your opportunities are still in the hands of God. So go to him and trust in the Lord. There's an interesting story in 2 Samuel chapter number 5. David is the king, and the Philistines have heard that now David has become king over all of Israel. And so now the Philistines, right? Remember the enemy, Goliath, he was a Philistine. They gather their armies together. They come after David. Verse number 18 says, The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So the Philistines, they gather their army together. They go over to Israel to battle with David. 
Verse number 19, David is a wise man. And David inquired of the Lord. He asked God, saying, shall I go out to the Philistines? Should I, should I go fight them? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? Will you provide a victory today? And the Lord said unto David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So the Philistines, they come. David says, God, what should I do? Should I fight them? Will you give us victory? God says, yes, go fight them. The next couple of verses, David fights them, gets a great victory. Praise the Lord. Verse number 22. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Here are the same Philistines come to the same place, the same people, same place, same situation. It's tempting for David to think, I've seen this before. I know what to do. I got this. But David is a wise man. Verse 23. And when David inquired of the Lord. You know, David didn't take it for granted that he knew what he was supposed to do. Even though last time he got his direction from God, he didn't just automatically assume, all right, I know what I'm supposed to do. At this step in his life, again, he goes to the Lord. And he says, and God says, thou shalt not go up. It's a good thing David went to the Lord. Because if he had done exactly what he did the last time, at the direction of the Lord the last time, and he had done the same thing, it would have been the wrong thing to do. He goes to God, and God says, this time you do something different. But fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees, and let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. You know what God is saying? Is he saying, if you want me to help you gain a victory, you got to do it my way. And God says, this time, I want you to do it this way. And if you do it this way, then I will go before you and give you a victory. Verse 25, and David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until they come to Bezer. We, if we're going to get our direction from, from God, we need to not take things for granted. Go to the Lord consistently every day and say, God, I know today, because I'm alive, it's a gift from you. What do you want me to do today? How do you want me to do it? When do you want me to do it? We need our direction from God. And if we're going to get direction from God, we need to put our trust in Him. Trusting the Lord entirely, trusting Him exclusively, trusting Him evenly, consistently, all the time. Now, just to give you a few things to make this practical, what does it mean to trust the Lord? What does it mean to trust God with my life? How do I get direction from God? What does it even mean to get direction from the Lord? Right? You ever wonder that? God, I want to know what you want me to do, but I don't know how to get directions from you. There's a couple places where we can and should and need to go if we're going to get direction from God. To put uh, uh, our trust in the Lord entirely, exclusively, evenly, means a couple things because God gives his direction from a couple different places. Number one, he directs through the scriptures. To put our trust in God means to go to the Bible and say, God, what does your word have to say about my life? 
And that's something that each individual Christian needs to grow in, to be able to understand and read the Bible and learn how does God's word apply to me? What is God trying to communicate to me about my life? He directs through the scriptures. He also directs through the spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's why you need a strong personal relationship with the Lord. You need to have a strong uh, relationship with God, reading the word, meditating upon it, praying to him, because you need God's spirit to direct you personally. So we get God's direction through the word. To put our trust in God says, all right, God, I need you today. I'm going to take a look at your word. And I'm going to pray over it. And I'm going to meditate upon it and think about how your word applies to me. I'm going to rely on your Holy Spirit. Sometimes he also directs through the saints. Sometimes God uses a godly believer to be able to guide you and direct you, to give you some help, to give you some guidance. Proverbs 11:14, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. It's a good thing to get some good counsel. That's why I think every single one of us, we need to have an individual that when we're in a situation, somebody that we could go to who we trust has a good relationship with the Lord, a strong handle of the word of God, who will be able to help us, to guide us, to maybe remind us of some biblical principles, to be able to give us some advice out of experience or out of uh, understanding of biblical principles. Those are some things. And if we do those things, putting our trust in the Lord, then I know that God will direct your life and my life. If we want to get direction from the Lord, let's put our trust in